It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi everyone, this is John Hagedorn, and welcome to 1001 Stories for the Road, also known as Caffeine for the Curious, and your home for good old-fashioned entertainment. As a kid, I loved baseball. I still do. We lived in Arcadia, California, close enough to Santa Anita Racetrack to hear the sound of the bugler playing the first call, which signaled the riders to get ready for the post parade. We moved before Walter O'Malley and the Brooklyn Dodgers left New York for Los Angeles. But Dad had worked with them to line up the GE lighting for the new stadium at Chavez Ravine, which took years to pull together. And I never had a chance to see the Dodgers play at the Coliseum before we moved. When we moved to Illinois, and later Philadelphia, the Dodgers remained my favorite team. And on my 15th birthday, Dad asked me if I would like to see the Phillies play the Dodgers at Connie Mack Stadium in Philadelphia. It was my first major league ball game, and I can still remember looking down at the manicured green field hearing the hum of the crowd and the chatter of the peanut and popcorn vendors hawking their goods, and the excitement at seeing the players come out on the field to warm up. Dad had chosen that day because my favorite pitcher, Sandy Koufax, was pitching, and he knew that would make the day special for me. We had arrived early enough to catch the warm-ups and look at the scorecard. Knowing how to keep a scorecard was a part of my upbringing, as much as learning how to tie a fly for trout fishing. Hall of Famer and former Phillies player Richie Ashburn was announcing the game. Richie was loved in Philadelphia. As a hitter, he was expert at fouling off pitches to stay alive at the plate until he could get a good pitch. He was a left-handed hitter, and his foul shots were usually hard-line drives toward the box seats near the third baseline. One day, his foul shot hit a spectator named Alice Roth square in the face, breaking her nose. It created quite a stir. As the medics came, loaded her on a stretcher, and began to carry her out, Ashburn, a lifetime 308 hitter with a 380 on-base percentage, was still at the plate and fouled off another identical shot, which, incredibly enough, hit Alice Roth on the stretcher while they were carrying her away from her seat. Mrs. Roth, wife of the editor of the Philadelphia Bulletin, loved the Phillies, but watched all future games from a seat high up in the bleachers. That's one reason we Americans love baseball so much. It's the stories. Richie Allison was no longer in the lineup, but diehard Phillies fans might remember Johnny Callison, Cookie Rojas, Richie Allen, Tony Taylor, and Ruben Amaro. Old Dodger fans might recall Willie Davis, Maury Wills, Jim Gilliam, and Frank Howard. They were all playing that day. This day with Dad turned out to be a day I would never forget, and I'll get back to it in a minute. Fast forward from here to May 1st, 1991. 
This was the day that Nolan Ryan pitched his seventh career no-hitter, going one better on a record that will probably stand forever in baseball. To appreciate how difficult it is in Major League Baseball to throw a no-hitter, in the tens of thousands of Major League Baseball games recorded since 1876, only 275 no-hitters have been pitched. To achieve this feat, as many of you fans know, the same pitcher has to complete nine full innings in which the opposing team has no hits. Nolan Ryan's lifetime seven no-hitters still stands as a major league record, and he threw his last one that day, May 1, 1991. He was pitching for the Texas Rangers on Fan Appreciation Day at Arlington Stadium in front of a crowd of 33,000. Ryan had turned 44 that year and was pitching on four days rest with a stiff back, sore bones, and a bloody right middle finger, the result of his skin and scar tissue breaking open while warming up in the bullpen. It was a downer of a day physically, Ryan had told a reporter. A no-hitter was the furthest thing from my mind when I came to the ballpark. It was a rough day on Ryan, but a great day in baseball. Just a few hours earlier, Ricky Henderson had stolen his 939th base, breaking Lou Brock's previous record. He had one of his worst warm-ups ever in the bullpen, manager Bobby Valentine had said. Pitching coach Tom House told me his back was stiff. Every bone was killing him. He feels like he's getting old. Don't leave him out there too long. Valentine asked Ryan before the game if the back was a problem and was told it was a little stiff. He asked his pitcher how it would be once the game started. He told me it would be history, Valentine said. Little did he know what he meant by history. The home crowd was going crazy in the night as Ryan retired Lee and Devin White on ground balls to second baseman Julio Franco. That brought up Roberto Alomar, son of former California Angels second baseman Sandy Alomar, once a teammate of Ryan's. Ryan got ahead in the count with two fastballs, but Alomar, whose first major league hit was off Ryan, fouled off two pitches and took two pitches for balls before whiffing at one final fastball. Once again, Ryan had rewritten history. He had thrown his sixth no-hitter just last year at age 43. Only one pitcher would even come close to his record of seven no-hit games, and that was, you guessed it, Sandy Koufax with five. And I can remember when he threw his third. Yep, I was there to see it against the Phillies at Connie Mack Stadium, and the Phillies fans who know their baseball gave Koufax a five-minute standing ovation that day. And we'll leave you real fans with this question. Who is the better pitcher, Ryan or Koufax? A sports writer named Don Schlossberg once asked catcher Jeff Torberg, backup catcher for both the Dodgers and the Angels, and a catcher who held the unique distinction of catching no-hitters for both Ryan and Koufax. There's some baseball trivia for you. His answer... You're talking about two of the greatest pitchers of all time. It's awfully tough to compare them. Nolan threw right-handed, and Sandy threw left. Kopax threw a four-seam fastball and a straight-down curveball, and Ryan threw a softer curveball and a great changeup, in addition to a 100-mile-per-hour fastball. Torberg was to go on to manage and then become a broadcaster, using his earned knowledge of the game to propel a great career on both sides of the sport. Nolan just muscled the ball in his early years. You could hear him grunt all over the ballpark. 
Very often, he would throw a pitch with two strikes where he would choke the ball so tightly that we called it a dry spitter. If somebody would look at the rotation of the ball in this day and age, it would be called a split finger. But his was a fastball. All of a sudden, the bottom fell out of it. As a catcher, it almost knocked the glove out of my hand. On paper, Koufax, who had to retire at age 30 with severe arthritis in his pitching arm, won 165 games, three Cy Young Awards, had the lowest ERA in the league for each of the last five seasons, and ended his career with a 655 winning average over a total of 12 seasons. Ryan, who pitched 27 seasons to the age of 44, had a 526 winning percentage, didn't win any Cy Youngs, but did win two ERA titles and had more strikeouts and no hitters than any other pitcher. So we'll leave the question of who was the best up to you. One thing is for sure, however, May 1st, 1991, the day Nolan Ryan secured his place in baseball history with his seventh no-hitter, was a great day for baseball. Thanks for joining us at 1001 Stories for the Road, where every Sunday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we release a new episode for your listening enjoyment. 1001 Stories for the Road was inspired by our big brother, 1001 Heroes, the research for which has turned up a treasure chest of great stories. Too short for our typical 45-minute shows at 1001 Heroes, and these stories, averaging about 15 to 20 minutes each, needed a new home. So we created 1001 Stories for the Road. We're available 24-7 at iTunes, our terrific host, audioboom.com, and everywhere great podcasts are found. We have two other 1001 shows out there, and we encourage you to give them a try. Those are 1001 Heroes, Legends, Histories, and Mysteries, and 1001 Classic Short Stories and Tales. You can catch all our 1001 network shows and archives, including this one, at www.1001storiespodcast.com and we encourage your posts at facebook.com forward slash 1001 stories for the road we'll be back real soon 